a reminder that this series looks at the, by and large the physical phenomena that occur when we do have encounters with the person of the Holy Spirit because um, as I have mentioned already there are numerous um, things that take place in the church today which is not the, the work of the Holy Spirit and yet gets ascribed to him and so what the series is looking at is a biblical framework um, as to what scripture actually does reveal to us with regards to our encounters with the person of the Holy Spirit so that when we do have those encounters or when we witness those encounters taking place we can then thus know scripturally what is of, of the, the Lord and what is not because the Apostle John did tell us that we are to test the spirits to see which ones are from God and which ones aren't so it's very important that we do, in fact do have a, a scriptural basis for our dealing in the supernatural and so we've said that there is the first encounter that all believers have with the Holy Spirit and that is when they're born again and he takes up residence on the inside of them we then said that the second encounter that all believers can experience but not all believers do is the, uh, the event called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about that and so what we're doing in today's teaching um, is we're looking at this uh, um, event of the baptism of the Holy Spirit we're looking at five separate accounts in scripture that describe this particular event to us we've had a look at the previous one the day of Pentecost and today's um, teaching we're going to concentrate on the second account given to us in the Bible of the baptism of the Holy Spirit what transpired on that occasion and so that we can learn from that what we can expect as believers when in fact we are exposed to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and um, how we can explain that to others who are seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit and so the account we pick up on is the account that took place in the church in Samaria and the account in scripture is in Acts chapter 8 verse 14 through to verse 24 <clears throat> the scripture says now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet he had fallen upon none of them they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart might be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. And so this is the second account of um, the saints being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, 
and we're wanting to now unpack what actually transpired in this account. And so leading up to this account, if you go have a look at scripture, you will see that the uh, Philip the Evangelist, for he's recorded as an evangelist in scripture in Acts 21.8, he had gone down to the city of Samaria and he had preached the gospel to them. And as a result of him preaching the gospel and also performing signs and wonders in their midst, um, the scripture describes him as healing many who were lame and paralyzed. And the scripture also describes that many who were demon-possessed were set free in his meetings and that people, uh, demons were cast out of those individuals in his meetings. Now that's one of the aspects of the ministry of the evangelist. Uh, a biblical, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, account of one who is called as an evangelist uh, to stand in that office should have uh, the gifts of the Spirit operating through their ministry, mainly the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. And that took place in Philip's ministry. We see gifts of healings because uh, many who were um, lame and paralyzed were healed through his um, uh, ministry and also many demons were cast out. Uh, healing, the gifts of healings obviously involves healing of those who are lame and paralyzed. Casting out demons involves the working of miracles. And so oh, those are the two gifts that were operating through Philip's ministry as an evangelist. And Acts 8-7 describes him as healing many who were healed, uh, sorry, who were paralyzed and lame. Um, and so Philip goes into the city of Samaria. He conducts these revival meetings. And multitudes, the Bible tells us, were added to the kingdom of God through his preaching of the gospel. Now, when Philip preached the gospel to the disciples, he also then baptized them in water. Um, because that was the act, that was the doctrine that he had been taught in Jerusalem when he was a part of the church there. And the church had uh, gone through persecution. That's one of the reasons why Philip was down in Samaria, because the, uh, quite a lot of the church was scattered throughout uh, Judea and Samaria at that point in time, Philip being one of them. And so um, Philip would have, he in fact did baptize all of the, his new converts. If you go back and read the account, you will see that in fact they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But something that had not transpired by this time when we read this account is that none of the saints had yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so the question we need to ask ourselves is why is that the case? Because Philip had got them born again. Philip had got a lot of them healed and delivered from demonic oppression. And he had also baptized them in water. But he had not baptized any of the saints with the Holy Spirit. And so the question, as we say, we need to ask, well, why is that? Well, the reason is quite simple, and that is because Philip didn't have that particular gift operating through his ministry. You say, well, what gift is that? That is the gift of also, it falls under the category of the gift called the working of miracles. And that particular gift is given to individuals in the body of Christ, whereby they can lay hands on saints so that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that Peter and John had that particular gift because when um, the church in Jerusalem hears about the citywide revival that had occurred in the city of Samaria, 
they specifically sent down to that church, the newly planted church that Philip had started. They sent down the two apostles, Peter and John, who when they came down, laid hands on the disciples that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the, Philip recognized that he didn't have uh, this particular gift. Because don't forget, the scripture says to us that multitudes were added to the kingdom of God. Multitudes were born again under Philip's ministry. And that's normal for an evangelist. When an evangelist goes out and preaches the gospel, literally thousands of people are added to the kingdom through their preaching because that's the anointing that they carry. And so Philip didn't have, he could have laid hands on the saints through faith in order for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we'll, uh, that is something um, um, as we look at it, we'll, we will see that that is, that is something that the saints can do by faith. But when it comes to laying hands on multitudes, thousands of people, Philip couldn't get it done because by faith he couldn't do it on his own. What he needed was somebody uh, who had that particular anointing upon their ministries that God used to baptize the saints in mass at the same time, bringing all of them into that um, encounter with the Holy Spirit so they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter and John had that anointing on their ministries. Um, Philip recognized it, the church recognized it, and so they sent Philip, uh, Peter and John down to the church that uh, Peter had, that Philip had started, sorry, um, and for the specific purpose that they could lay their hands on the saints so that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we know that this is a gift given to the individual because in the discourse that took place between Peter and Simon, um, Simon wanted to offer money for the gift that Peter and John displayed. Now some have thought, well the gift that Simon was talking about was the gift of the Holy Spirit, but that's not the case at all. Simon wanted the same ability that Peter and John had that they could lay hands so he could also lay hands on whomever he chose that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the gift that Simon was wanting to purchase. That ability to lay hands on in people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that is, and Peter called it a gift. And so that is the gift that Peter and John had. Now, Peter and John were not the only ones in the church who had that gift. It just so happens that the church of Jerusalem sent those two apostles down to perform this role in the church in Samaria. And so when Peter and John came down there, what Peter and John would have done is they would have called a meeting with all of the newborn believers, um, which just happened to be everybody in Samaria, the city of Samaria at the time, obviously. And they would have, that meeting would have been gathered together for the sole purpose of filling the saints with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John would have taught, and it's probably Peter being the chief spokesman between the two, would have taught the disciples what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was all about. They would have explained to them the different phenomena that they could expect that would take place when they were filled with the Holy Spirit including the phenomena of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Because that is, you must understand, by the time that Peter and John came down to Samaria, they had had extensive experience 
in laying hands on the saints that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in the church in Jerusalem alone, we know about at least 8,000 converts that were added to the church, and a lot more obviously were added over a period of time, that period of time included. And so all of those saints would have been filled with the Holy Spirit by that time. And so Peter and John had learned how to operate in this particular gift that the Lord had given them, in that they could lay hands on the saints so that they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John would have taught the disciples, this is what you can experience. I expect when we lay hands on you, you will speak with other tongues. There may be these other phenomena that will occur as well. After Peter and John would have taught the disciples, they would have then called them forward to come gather around. And then Peter or John, one of the two, would have prayed a general prayer to the Lord to fill his saints with the Holy Spirit. After that, what would have transpired, because it was through the laying on of hands that the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit on this occasion, Peter and John would have gone among the disciples and individually laid hands on each one of the disciples, thus imparting the Holy Spirit to them. And each saint would have then in turn been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's pretty much the gist of how this particular meeting took place. Because don't forget, none of the saints, all of them were born again, all of them had been baptized in water, but none of them had yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John were now fulfilling that role of imparting the Holy Spirit to the saints. Now Simon would have been among the disciples, and he would have experienced that same infilling of the Holy Spirit. So he partook of it along with his, the rest of uh, the saints, whom Peter and John were laying hands on in that particular meeting. And so that brings us to the next point, which is in fact Simon. Because the Holy Spirit has deemed it necessary to record for us in Scripture what transpired on this occasion with regards to what Simon saw, what Simon did, and his interaction with Peter around this whole issue. And so... Um, we need to have a look at it, and, and, and by looking at what the Scripture has revealed to us about this incident that took place with regards to Simon, it reveals some truths to us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what are the truths that it in fact does reveal to us? What is the Holy Spirit trying to get across to us through this passage of Scripture that He has recorded for us? Well, in order for us to answer that question, we need to go back and have a look at Simon and have a look at his background. If you go and you read the account in Scripture, you will see that Simon um, was a sorcerer before he became a disciple of the Lord. And as a sorcerer, he was very well known in the city of Samaria and the surrounding areas. Um, he, he was very used, not, uh, not the right word, um, he was very comfortable in working with demonic spirits, in displaying supernatural signs and wonders. That was his, um, his, his, his vocation in life. That's what he did. He practiced sorcery, and he was very good at it. So much so that he proclaimed himself to the, the, the citizens of Samaria, and obviously the surrounding areas, that he was the great man of God. Well, not really the right terminology, but the great power of God is what he called himself. And 
everybody acknowledged him as being the great power of God. The scripture says from the least to the greatest of them. So he had a tremendous amount of influence in the city of Samaria and throughout the surrounding areas uh, regarding his ability to operate in the supernatural. Now, obviously, he was working with demonic spirits because that's the, the spirits that uh, he was exposed to. That's what he knew and he understood. And so uh, Simon comes into the kingdom of God with that background. We need to understand that. He's very comfortable with the supernatural because he understands it, because he's worked with it for a large part of his life and become very successful, become very famous and also become very wealthy through his operating as a sorcerer in the city. Now Philip comes along, the evangelist, and Philip begins to preach the gospel. And as a result, multitudes come into the kingdom of God, multi not multitudes, but many are healed, many lame and paralyzed are healed. And that's also something else we need to pick up on Philip's ministry. The scripture talks about lame and paralyzed people being healed in his ministry. Speaks about nothing about blind people or deaf people um, or any other types of major illnesses being cured in Philip's ministry. Now there might have been those who were cured in, in Philip's ministry, but the, the Bible is very clear to us that this specific type of individual were healed under Philip's ministry. And again, if we just look at the gift of, of the scripture, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gifts of healing as gifts of healings, try, uh, implying that there's more than one type of gift of healing that is given to the body of Christ. And what that means is that certain individuals are anointed by God to heal certain areas, uh, while others are anointed to heal in another area. Philip, it seems, was anointed by the Holy Spirit to heal the lame and the paralyzed, but he didn't have too much success praying for those who are blind and deaf, arguments sake. And so anyway, um, Simon now sees Philip ministry and he hears the gospel preached and he believes the gospel. The Bible says that he, be, he, he converted, he gave himself to the Lord Jesus Christ and he was also baptized in water. And so Simon is now a new convert. The Bible tells us that when Simon converted to Christianity, he continued with Philip in his ministry in the city of Samaria. And so Simon continued to, because um, Philip continued having meetings. He didn't just have, uh, you know, one or two meetings. He had a whole series of meetings. And Simon stayed with him so that Simon could learn this new kingdom that he'd become a part of. And so that's the background that takes place with regards to now Simon's interaction with Peter around the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because now don't forget, Simon is a new convert. He has um, been baptized in water. He's part of the disciples that are listening to Peter and John preach. He then is also filled with the Holy Spirit along with the rest of the disciples as Peter and John lay hands on them. So Simon partakes of this. He experiences the tangible power of God coming upon him. He also begins to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives him utterance. And he observes what is taking place around him amongst the other saints as they are in turn filled with the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands of Peter and John. Now when Simon sees this phenomena taking place, it is at that 
point that Simon then says to Peter, uh, give me this power also. And he offers him money. So that, and, he, and the scripture says um, that when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, given he offered them money saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if Simon, his motivation was innocent. In other words, um, you know, because the Bible does tell us, and Paul tells us in, in Corinthians, that we should desire spiritual gifts. And so... There's, there's nothing wrong because Simon recognized this was a spiritual gift. He didn't understand the, the term spiritual gift at that time, but he recognized this as a power that these two men were displaying. And he wanted that power. He wanted the same ability that they had, that anyone he laid hands on would receive the Holy Spirit. And he was prepared to pay money for that power. So, um, the... Simon saw that this was a gift that he, he, he wanted to operate in. Now, if, as I say, if his motivation was innocent and that he just wanted to have a gift, the same gift that Peter and John had, so that he could in turn bless others with it, Peter and John would not, well, Peter would not have rebuked him nearly as harshly as Peter did. Because Peter would have recognized, well, right, he's a new convert, he doesn't know any better. And the fact, don't forget, Simon offered them money. Now, the, the money that Simon offered Peter and John for this gift was a substantial amount of money. Why do we say that? Well, again, we need to understand Simon's motivation for wanting this gift. Peter recognized it immediately as to what his motivation was, which is why Peter rebuked him so harshly and said to him that he was very close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so Simon kind of realized he really had he tread on the wrong territory in the, what he was trying to, to accomplish. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that Peter recognized what Simon's motivation was all about. Because, uh, again, let's go back to Simon. He's been following Philip going around with his meetings. And he sees that when Philip prays for the lame and the paralyzed and those who are demon-possessed and gets them, get those demons cast out, Philip lays his hands on both believers and unbelievers alike. Philip doesn't differentiate. Philip doesn't say, all right, you're, you're a Christian, so now I can't lay hands on you. You're an unbeliever, I can't lay hands on you. Philip was laying hands on whoever wanted to be healed. And, and Simon sees that. So when Simon sees Peter and John laying their hands on everyone, and everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Simon saw the result of that, and also experienced the result of that, he wants the same power because he says that on whomever I lay hands, they may also be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Simon thinks that this power can be given to everyone. He doesn't realize at this point in time, this power of being full of the Holy Spirit is only for the saints, is not for the unbelievers. But he doesn't know that at the time. And so why does he offer Peter money so that he can do this, have the same function? Well, as I say, his motivation is not innocent. Uh, it's not so that he can be a blessing unto others. His motivation is purely for himself because he recognizes 
wait a minute, here's an opportunity for me. Because again, going back to Simon's vocation before he came into the kingdom of God, sorcerers used to charge money for their services. That's how it operated, and that's how it still does operate today. You get uh, people that practice witchcraft, and, and they, they charge a fee, fortune tellers, etc., etc., and you go to them, you pay the fee, and, and they will minister to you through the working of demonic spirits. Simon used to do that, and he was, as I say, very sick. The, the scripture tells us he was very successful in doing that, and so he made a lot of money through that. But now what had happened is that Simon had now switched sides, because... He was now taken out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And so he no longer had access to the demonic spirits that he used to work with. Um, and so his, his form of income had actually come to a stop, come to a halt completely, because he couldn't practice what he used to practice anymore. But to his surprise, he finds out, wait a minute, here's another source of power that I can have access to. That, you know, I can also now use this source of power to once again generate income and continue in, in the fame. Because he recognized that this, this source of power, that if he could be operating in the, in the same way that Peter and John were operating, it would draw the crowds. And he recognized, here is a business opportunity for me. I can get back into the same business I've always done, just with a different source of power now. I don't have to rely on demonic power. I can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and I can make money again. And so he does. He offers Peter and John a significant amount of money. He treats it as a, a, a business investment. Peter has to deal with him very harshly, because obviously his, his thinking is completely warped. Um, in what he thinks he can do with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter does deal with him, and Simon does repent, um, and that seems to be the end of the matter. As far as Scripture is concerned, that is the end of the matter. If you go look at um, ch the early church writings, Simon does kind of, uh, from what we can see, does get off into a tangent all over again. But we won't touch on that. But... For the purpose of, of today's teaching, what I really want to do for now, focus in on, is what did Simon see that he was prepared to pay good money for, when I say good money, I'm talking about a substantial amount of money, for the same ability that Peter and John had. Because he recognized, because don't forget Simon's background, he's, he's very au, au fait with the supernatural. He knows what draws the crowds, he knows that people hunger after the supernatural and so they are willing to pay money to be exposed to the supernatural simon knew that simon worked with that and that was his his, his as i say his vocation before he comes into the kingdom now he thinks he can get back into it just a different power um, but what is the phenomena that simon sees and experiences that convinces him this is a business, I can get back into my same business I used to run, just with a different source of power. It is not the, the, the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Simon's not a fool. Simon knows that no one, if he holds meetings and he invites, because don't forget, his motivation, he can open up his meeting for everybody, and he can lay hands on them, and they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's his thinking. He thinks he can do that. Peter has to rebuke him on the issue. Um, but... He's not a fool. He knows that to advertise to everybody, come to my meetings and I will fill you with the Holy Spirit 
and you will speak in a language that you don't understand. No one's going to come to his meetings to pay for that. Because, talk about the world now. Who wants to be filled with uh, something that allows me to speak in a language I don't even understand? What's the benefit of that, Simon? And so, that's not the motivation that Simon saw, or that's not the evidence that Simon saw that motivated him to want to pay money to be able to do what Peter and John did. It was the other evidence that Simon saw and experienced. Now, everybody would have spoken in tongues, himself included. But it was the other evidence that Simon saw and, and, and took part of, um, which he knew would attract the crowds that he could now once again become famous or continue with his fame and continue to make money in the supernatural through his operation in the supernatural. And so the evidence that Simon would have seen that would have encouraged him to want to pay good money, think about the word good money, want to pay a substantial amount of money for that ability is what we discussed in, in the previous encounter. And that is uh, on the day of Pentecost, people would have trembled as they experienced the power, excuse me, the power of God coming upon them. Some of them would have wept. A lot of them would have laughed out uh, uncontrollably as the joy of the Lord came upon them. Um, many of them would have, would have cried out for joy and experiencing the tangible power of God. Some would have fallen under the power of God on this occasion because when Peter and John were laying hands on the disciples, they were standing. And so it's very possible that a lot of them fell under the power of God. So Simon recognized this very real, tangible power of the Holy Spirit. And he thought this was the business opportunity for him to get back into operating in the supernatural and thus being able to make money from it. It was not the case of speaking in tongues, even though that was uh, part of the evidence that he saw. Because as I say, Simon recognized that he's not something that he could have made money from. But he did recognize that people would pay to come to his meetings if they re realized that coming into his meetings, they could begin to laugh uncontrollably. That's the type of thing, the type of phenomena that people uh, who are seeking after the supernatural would have attended his meetings for. And that's what Simon was prepared to pay for. And so even though this, this scripture is silent as to what Simon actually saw, it does imply to us what Simon saw because of what Simon was prepared to do as a result of what he saw. And that's what we need to pick up from this particular account in um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But again, we see that every single saint that was in the meeting was filled with the Holy Spirit, not a select few. All of them experienced the power of God. Uh, all of them would have spoken with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Um, and we learn from this account, because on the first account that we saw, the saints were filled with the Holy Spirit directly from heaven, or the Holy, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. But in this account, we learn that the baptism of the Holy Spirit can also be imparted through the laying on of hands. And we see that there are certain uh, ministers of the gospel who are anointed specifically by God to impart the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is one of the areas where the church does get into error because these ministers are anointed of the Lord and don't always understand their anointing. And because they don't understand their anointing, that, that anointing gets abused and the church gets into error. 
But Peter and John obviously did understand the anointing. They used it scripturally, they used it biblically, and we need to do the same. But there were these other phenomena as well. And that is where we're going to close the teaching on today's podcast.